Treasures from the golden age of radio. You're listening to the amazing world of radio with Adam Graham. Welcome to the amazing world of radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. This podcast and the next three are presented in honor of of my mother, Marcia Graham, who celebrates her 70th birthday today, August the 15th of 2018. In honor of her 70th birthday, I decided to record uh, four podcasts uh, with radio episodes that aired on the day of her birth. I was originally just going to send these to her, But Andrea suggested that I make the episodes public, which makes sense, too, if it's not just on her computer, but also on the Internet, then she can just easily be able to access the program again. And I get to honor her to all of the listeners to this podcast. And all the listeners get to hear some interesting programs. And I chose a variety from what was available from August the 15th, 1948. And we're going to start out with an episode of the public information program, Living. And the title of this one is Rackets on the Doorbell. Listen, the next voice you hear will be that of a mooch, spelled M-O-O-C-H. A rich, distant cousin in South Africa made me his heir. I didn't know I had a cousin in South Africa. And the next voice you hear will be that of a Maggie, spelled M-A-G-G-I-E. That's right, Mrs. Gullible. You're the fortunate heir. We've had a hard time locating you. Now, if you're willing to retain our firm at a fee to handle... For your information, a mooch is a gullible person. A Maggie is a swindler. You've just heard our Mrs. Gullible taken by a smooth 100% dyed-in-the-wool swindler. The moral, look out for rackets on the doorbell. Living 1948. Brought to you each week by NBC and its affiliated stations. Holds up its radio mirror on this summer day to reflect some of the gyps and swindles now being perpetrated upon innocent Americans. The title of our drama document, Rackets on the Doorbell. For those of you who have no desire to be gypped or swindled, we urge an attentive ear to your narrator, Ben Grower. Greetings, America. Did you know that, potentially, we're all suckers? Oh, oh, no offense meant that certainly includes me, too, you know. Suckers for the swindlers who make a fortune, flying a wide variety of readily believable schemes from one town to another, ringing your front doorbell or knocking in your back door, they're not fussy, to jip you out of your money. Today, we're going to show you how it's done, so that should a swindler ever ring your doorbell, you'll know what to tell him and how to deal with him. To assist us in this commendable task, we've created a Mrs. Gullible. Me? Fall for swindlers? Oh, not me. I'm level-headed and I have both feet on the ground. And remember, 
I wasn't born yesterday. <laughs> Our Mrs. Gullible, who, as you can see, is so doggone sure of herself she should be ideal material for any house-to-house racketeer. With no more ado, then, let us, with dear Mrs. Gullible, plunge into hot water. It's a beautiful spring morning. The birds are singing, the bees are buzzing, and out on her lawn, Mrs. Gullible is humming. As with hoe and trowel, she labors to encourage her flowers to bud. Now, to all this, add another sound, and sit back and listen. Lovely morning for puttering around the flowers. Perfectly gorgeous. Name's Hawkins, ma'am. Maybe you've seen it painted on my truck. Hawkins Scientific Gladness. Uh, yes? I was just up the street a ways where we've been doing a bit of landscaping around the new Presbyterian church. Oh, yes, yes, I've seen it. Thank you, ma'am. Well, I have a few plants left over with me and my truck here. Mm-hmm. Oh? Azalea's Indicus, ma'am. Azalea's Indicus? Never heard of them before, have you, ma'am? Uh, no, I, I can't say that. Oh, you needn't apologize, ma'am, because there probably aren't four more Azalea's Indicus in the whole country. you like to see them? Well, I... I have an exceptional diamond pink color when they bloom, ma'am, with, with flecks of gold coming through. Ah, here you are. <laughs> Red of myself. Sturdy as an oak. Azalea's Indicus. That's right. Now, you'll be the only one in town who owns them. Uh, well, I... Uh, how much are they? Eight dollars a piece. Oh, that's awfully high, isn't it? Or Azalea's Indicus? Yeah, but I never could take care of such delicate, expensive plants. Well, I come through this way every day. Be glad to put them in for you today and give you a hand any time you're in trouble. Azalea's Indicus. The most beautiful salmon pink. Flecked with gold, did you say? Flecked with gold that you ever did see, ma'am. And remember, no neighbor will ever have a flower like it. All right. If you promise to help me rear them, I'll take them. Anytime, Mrs. Gullible. Anytime, Mrs. Gullible. Anytime. Ah, sweet mystery of Azalea's Indicus. Nobody knows how many rare, delicate, bread of myself plants Mr. Hawkins, probably alias something else, sold that day. Left over, as he says, from the landscaping of the Presbyterian Church, which, of course, never even heard of him. But everybody who ever bought one knows what happened after that. You know, dear... Says Mrs. Gullible to her husband some weeks later. I've been watching my Azalea's Indicus, and I've been worried about them. And I haven't seen that man who sold them to me come through here once since. And still later on... You know, dear, I haven't been able to find that Hawkins Scientific Plant Nursery listed anywhere in the phone book. Isn't that strange? And then, in the full bloom of time, after the rains of April and the sun of May have worked their usual magic in the plants that were to burst forth in salmon pink with flecks of gold. Look! Look, dear! Those azaleas indicates have bloomed exactly like the ordinary azaleas I bought for 75 cents. No, there is no such thing as an azalea indica. <laughs> Save your money. But Mrs. Gullible's credulity, as with most gullible people, is not limited to matters agricultural. After delivering herself of another speech over the back fence... I just can't believe there are people alive who will be so mean as to play tricks like that on respectable people. It's not decent. 
be sure I'll never trust another stranger. <laughs> Mrs. Gullible stomps back into her house to be on hand for any phone calls that may come in reply to her ad for domestic help. You see, as well as a keeper, Mrs. Gullible is badly in need of a maid. Uh, she doesn't have to wait long. For somewhere out of town, someone has seen Mrs. Gullible's ad in the domestic help-wanted column and has dialed her number. Listen, see if I'm not right. There, what did I tell you? Hello? Hello. Uh, did you advertise in the paper for a maid? Yes. Yes, I did. Uh, my name's Deborah Graves. I've been working as a maid here in Galesburg for the last three years. Oh? The people I've been working for moved, and I thought I'd like to come to your city now, because I got some friends there. Mm-hmm. Who did you work for? I worked for Professor Baldwin's wife at the college, and before that, I worked for the mayor's wife. Well, we're quite anxious to find somebody. I must confess we haven't had much luck. Uh, when when can I see you to talk to you? Well, that's what I called you about, ma'am. You see, I don't have any money to catch a train, but, well, I was wondering if... Yes? The job sounds fine to me, and I'm sure I'll take it if you'll have me, because I want to be there anyway, but I was wondering, could you advance me my fare and take it out of my first week's wages? Well... I'll give you plenty of references. Uh, how soon could you get here? Well, if you wired me the money right now, I'd get it and be there late tonight. I could put up at a hotel and see you first thing in the morning. Well, I think that's satisfactory. Uh, supposing I sent you $15, would that be enough? Oh, yes, ma'am. And you can take it all out of my first week's wages. Very well, Deborah. I'll wire the money to you in care of the telegraph company. I think we'll be very lucky to have you. Thank you. Oh, uh, one more thing, ma'am. About this phone call. Oh, yes. Here, wait. I'll signal the operator and tell her to reverse the charges. Swiftly as if on the wings of Mercury, all the telegraph wires fly $15. $15 for Mrs. Gullible to a voice on the phone that said its owner was Deborah Gray. In due course, it has been the habit of nature from time immemorial, night turns into day. And Mrs. Gullible trustingly waits for the arrival of her new maid. Nine o'clock. Ten o'clock. Eleven o'clock, noon, no Deborah Graves. I can't understand it. I can't understand it. One o'clock, two o'clock, three... Oh, but what's the use? The clock could strike till doomsday, but no one will ever show up. A hundred letters in the files of the Better Business Bureaus testify that our Wobegone maid was a Maggie, a swindler. Testify that once again our Mrs. Gullible has been gypped. Ah, poor Mrs. Gullible. Never, never, never again, so long as I live, will I... <laughs> yes, Mrs. Gullible, but all that has to happen is for somebody to ring that doorbell. Hmm, I wonder who that is. And before we know it, we're up to our necks again. Afternoon. Good afternoon. Roof Insurance Company, Inspector. Oh, won't you? Thank you. Inspecting attics for termites today. Oh, yes? How do I get upstairs? Uh, right through the hall and up the stairs to the left. Thank you. And so, armed with an empty glass jar, a rubber hammer, and various other business-like gadgets, our happy little inspector disappears into the attic. Spends some time apparently busy at work, while Mrs. Gullible carries on downstairs... And finally reappears with a jar full. Good heavens, what are those? Termites, ma'am. Termites? 
am I? Perhaps it's full of them up there, oh. ma'am. We've been checking all our houses because, you see, while we protect your roof against fire and hurricane, you're not covered for termites. Oh, horrors. They're the nastiest-looking things. Mm, destructive, too. If you don't do something soon when those rafters are eating through, your roof's going to collapse. Well, just wanted to check. Got a reporter to the company. Oh, wait a minute. Now, now, surely there's something we can do to get rid of those termites and stop that roof from caving in? Well, yes. I'm only supposed to be an inspector, but I sometimes do take on a termite-proofing job on the side. Oh, what do you do for it? Oh, termite-proof it by spraying it with natural plastic paint. Is, is that good? Well... I'll guarantee no termite will ever get near it. Hmm. How much will it be? Oh, about $35. When can you do it? Well, it's close to lunchtime. I can use my lunch hour on the job. Good. I'll write you a check as soon as you're finished. Okay, ma'am. I'll go out and fetch my things and get started right now. What's wrong with Mrs. Gullible's newfound friend, the termite inspector? One, he's not a termite inspector for the insurance company. They don't have them. Two, the termites he said he collected from the roof rafters were termites, but he carried them in himself. Three, there's no such thing as natural plastic paint. Four, all the pounding and noise that accompanied his proofing job upstairs was about as effective as putting salt on a termite's tail, if it has one. And finally, just a minor bit of entomology that might come in useful to you sometimes. Termites don't start in the roof of a house... They start at the ground. Well, that's one time Mrs. Gullible didn't know she was fooled. As a matter of fact, she probably pinned back her neighbor's ears for weeks with... You know, we just had our roof termite proved. Oh, I can't tell you what a relief it is. I feel so much safer already. Swindlers come in all shapes and disguises. While Mrs. Gullible, let us say, is waxing poetic on the delights of termite-proofing, she observes a young man bearing a package coming up towards her front door. Alert to safeguard home and belongings and otherwise curious, Mrs. Gullible hastens across her lawn past her azalea indicus, pausing only to admire her termite-proof roof, and reaching the lad before he presses the bell, inquires politely. Oh, were you looking for me? Uh, uh no, not really, ma'am. I was looking for your neighbor at 204. Have a package for Mrs. Whitman. That's right, Mrs. Uh, Catherine Whitman. Oh, isn't she at home? Uh, no, ma'am. I uh, wonder if you'd... If I'd take it for her? Yeah. Well, I'd be glad to. Oh, it's COD. There's a charge of 1095 on it, ma'am. Oh. Uh, she's called us twice about it. I know she's anxious to get it. Oh, I hate to take it back and then oh, have Oh, well, her... that won't be necessary. I'll pay you for it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I guess I've known Mrs. Whitman long enough to trust her. Surely anybody can trust Mrs. Whitman or Mrs. Jones or Mrs. Stone or any good neighbor. The catch is, can you trust the lad with the package? The answer. Darling, here's your package. Uh, what? Well, you were out when it came, so I paid for it to save you the trouble of having to wait for it again. My package? Well, I didn't order any package, C.O.D. You didn't? Why, no. Well, my dear, he said it was for you. He said you called about it a couple of times. I paid him ten ninety-five for it. It has your name on it. Does it, Dad? Doesn't it? Well, let's open it. Who knows? It might be a surprise. (gasps) Why, it's rags. A bunch of dirty rags. Never, 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 never. Uh, Ah, that's Mrs. Gullible again. 
She's so mad, she's lost all confidence in her fellow man. And never, 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 never will she fall for a swindle again. Never. Ah, but time's a great healer, my friends. With time, we can forget almost anything. Tuck those disagreeable experiences back somewhere in our mind where we forget them. And lo, on the horizon looms Labor Day and the expectation of guests for the holiday weekend. Like mad, Mrs. Gullible thrashes through her house, cleaning this, dusting that, and all by hand, because, as she puts it... Oh, that awful vacuum cleaner's on the blink again. Don't ask me, my friends, by what happy coincidence the doorbell rings this time. But there at the door, where t'was no one before, now stands a smiling man whose open face reflects obvious honesty. He starts much as the others did. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I'm from Swanson's Electrical Appliance Home Service, ma'am. Um, uh, we've been working this territory all week, figuring lots of people might have appliances they might want fixed before the holidays. You mean you, you, you fix things at home? <laughs> yes, ma'am. Refrigerators, electric heaters, griddles. The vacuum uh... cleaners? Well, what do you know? <laughs> you might say vacuum cleaners are our meat. Oh, good. I'm so glad you rang my bell. Come in. Come in. What's uh, wrong with having a man come into your house to fix your vacuum cleaner? He can't run away with it. He either fixes it and you pay him, or he doesn't and you don't. Perfectly reasonable, you think. This is it. I've been after my husband I don't know how many times to take this vacuum downtown and get it repaired. Oh, but you know how men are. <laughs> I guess I do, being one myself. <laughs> uh, 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 think you can fix it? Well, now, I'll tell you in a jiffy here. Out come the inevitable tools. There's much unscrewing of this, banging of that, sprinkled with a suitable number of convincing, thoughtful frowns. Finally. Oh, oh. What's the matter? Oh, there's a thingamajig in the motor that's given you all your trouble. Haven't got the tools to take it apart here. Might even need replacing. Oh, I'm afraid I'll have to take the whole works down to the shop. Oh, but I wanted to use that today. Well, uh, would tomorrow morning be all right? Could you have it back by then? Oh, yes, first thing. Won't take long once I get it down where I can uh, work at it. Well... Uh, oh, it shouldn't come to more than about uh, $5 material and labor. And you don't need to pay for it unless we fix it to your satisfaction. <laughs> you can't lose a thing. That's right, I can't, can I? Very well. I'll be glad to get it fixed. Oh, I know you will. Pain in the neck having a piece of equipment around you can't use. Well, I'll get this in my car. Be on my way. So long. Au revoir. I'll look for you tomorrow. A not au revoir, Mrs. Gullible, but goodbye. Tomorrow, he'll be 20, 30, 100 miles from where you are, setting up shop in some distant town to sell your beloved vacuum cleaner and the refrigerators and heaters and uh, griddles and toasters that he and his confederates have collected in your town. Sell them to somebody else. No, not au revoir, Mrs. Gullible, but goodbye forever. Of course, you've heard this before. If anyone ever rings my doorbell again, I don't care who it is. And asks me to buy something or have something fixed, I don't care what it is. Well, let's see about that, ladies and gentlemen. 
Mrs. Gullible, like most women, belongs to a club. Oh, I'm so glad you phoned me, Mildred. You're so much more thoughtful than our last secretary. Tomorrow at one, did you say? Oh, well, I certainly will be there. And uh, what did you say was the name of the Hindu person who's going to speak to us? Ali Husseini? Oh, well, I wouldn't miss it for the world. Really, I think the guest speaker committee is to be congratulated. Imagine meeting an honest-to-goodness yogi. Face-to-face, I mean. And so, my dear ladies, I close with this simple exhortation. If you would commune with all that is strange, mysterious, and forbidden to the vast body of the common people, if you would have your pulse beat with the rhythm of the universe itself, until all which was but confusion before becomes miraculously revealed, you have but to espouse the austere philosophical communion with nature that is the secret of the yogi. I thank you. Oh, isn't he wonderful? Oh, I should think so, and that turban. Oh, and those black eyes. Mm, what is it Omar said? Like the deep pools of the oasis. You know something, dear? Mildred told me he plans to be here three days and has agreed to give a limited number of readings to a select few. Indeed. Oh, my. Do you suppose I could get him to give me one? I don't know, but I'm sure going to try. And so it is written, madame, all which I have told thee in this hour is here hidden in this crystal for those who have eyes to see. Goodness. And you say I'm going to have an amazing investment opportunity? This is so, madame. An opportunity in copper. In copper? Think of it. Tell no one, madame, to reveal the secret of the greatest is to render it as useless as the sand of the desert. I won't breathe a word. Close to her heart, Mrs. Gullible harbors jealously the purchased wisdom of her cherished yogi guest. One day, indeed it was quite a coincidence, her phone rang. Hello? Hello, Mrs. Gullible? Yes? This is Mr. Hagman of Hagman and Company Investment Counselors. Yes? Uh, your name was given to us as one who might be interested in a special issue of stock that has just come on the market. Oh, I'm sorry, I never purchased stock. My husband tends to all those matters. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that, Mrs. Gullible, because this copper stock that is available for the first time... No, I'm very sorry. Did you say copper stock? Uh, yes, ma'am. Uh, copper stock. I'm sorry you don't feel as if you were... Well, now, given... wait, wait. Re- really, I'd be glad to hear what you have to say. It's just that I was... Uh, uh, out of the bank comes maybe some 500 smackers. 500 smackers, perhaps removed without her husband's knowledge, to cover the amazing opportunity in copper that the amazing yogi had prophesied would soon come her way. No thought as to the strange coincidence. No thought as to how they got her name. As she's continually asked to promise, Mrs. Gullible keeps the secret until one day in a burst of overflowing confidence to her friend, Mrs. Kitty, I've just got to tell you, I just can't keep it to myself any longer. You you know that yogi we all heard at the club luncheon? Yes. Well, he gave me a reading, you know. Oh, well, you know, he came out and gave me one, too. Oh, you old <laughs> thing, you never told me. Well, just imagine what happened. What? He said that I could expect an amazing investment opportunity. He did? 
Well, that's what he told me, too. He did? Yes. In copper? Yes. And don't tell me that shortly after someone called and said they had a special issue of... Copper stock? Yes, and you... I drew out $500. Me, too. Oh, Kitty. Oh, heavens above, we've been cheated. We've been taken advantage of. This is the end. Yes, this is the end. And at the end, it's always good to think back on what you've heard and reach a few pertinent conclusions. Though Mrs. Gullible is a creation of our own and no such person exists, nevertheless, there's some of Mrs. Gullible in all of us. So if you don't want to be gypped, beware not only of the swindlers we dramatize for you today, but of anyone who approaches you revealing these three characteristics which all swindlers seem to have in common. The first characteristic. Of course, you realize, madam, I'm letting you in, so to speak, on the ground floor of this lucrative project, so I'm afraid I'll have to ask you to keep it a secret. Secrecy. The second. I'm sorry, I can't wait for you to think about it, ma'am. If you don't sign now, you'll miss the opportunity of a lifetime. This is urgent. Urgency. The third. Ma'am, what I'm doing is practically offering you something for nothing. The third characteristic, something for nothing. But where we say of anyone who approaches you in any of those three ways, with secrecy, urgency, or something for nothing, and you'll have built a ready defense against being a mooch for some Maggie. Living 1948 is prepared and presented for the University of the Air by an NBC public affairs staff under the supervision of Wade Arnold. With scripts written by Lou Hasm, technical advice by Jane Tiffany Wagner, music conducted by Leo Kaminsky, and program direction by Jack Cuny. Evelyn Varden played Mrs. Gullible. Your narrator was Ben Grower. We invite you to keep abreast of Living 1948 by listening next week to another of our drama documents. Robert Warren speaking. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Welcome back. Well, I hope that neither my mom nor anyone in my audience will fall for any of these particular schemes. Of course, these were really targeted to um, my grandparents and that entire generation in trying to highlight the type of scams that many of them were falling for. Of course, we've got an entire new generation that doesn't fall for these uh, schemes, but we've got an entire list of new frauds that uh, people will fall for these days. Uh, and I do think, though, that our heroine could have avoided a lot of this problem if she had just made one decision differently, and that was to not marry Mr. Gullible. If you take a name like that, you're kind of asking for trouble. Well, that's all for this episode, but we have more ahead as we continue to celebrate my mom with programs that aired on the day of her birth. If you have a comment, send it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off. <laughs>